0: Hi everybody! Welcome to SoTastic Podcast. My name is Roshan in India. Today we have with us a really special guest. His name is Parth Kabardia. He is the CEO and founder of Quitly, an incredible app that's based on addiction and how to quit the addiction. Then he's also the co-founder of Global Petals. He's been an entrepreneur in residence at Exelon, and he's run several businesses. So today we're excited to have him and ask him a lot of questions about how to get started in business and just some tips and advice that he has for our listeners. So welcome Parth, how
1: are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank
0: you. And you know what? I'm actually looking forward to talking with you because you've had success with some amazing apps that you and your partner have created. And so I'm just excited to hear more about the story, the background, and a little bit about that. But before we get into any of that, why don't we do this? Let me learn a little bit more about you, your family life, your professional life, just a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you, my parents migrated from India in the mid eighties. And my dad had degrees in India, but ended up in the U.S. because his elder sister was here. And we came in, tried to do community college, balancing my elder brother. And they didn't get the same life that I did. And I saw them working very hard, ended up in a rough area in Chicago. And then slowly, as time progressed, moved out to the suburbs. I'm a product of Wabonzi Valley High School, graduated in 2009, okay. and then went to undergrad, studied civil and environmental engineering at the Illinois Institute of Technology in okay. Chicago, worked my way up in corporate, and finally became an entrepreneur. That's a little bit of my background.
0: Okay, so you didn't study business? No. Do you come from a family of business owners?
1: Yeah. My mom's side actually have generations of entrepreneurs. And she grew up in a small farm town. So they, my grandpa owned a lot of real estate, owned okay. a lot of farmland. And literally the town that my mom grew up in was like a bartering system where like my mom's family, they had cows and mango trees and they would bring the mangoes and milk to their house. And then the neighbors who had other kind of farms, they would bring in like other goods, like bread or other fruits. And then they would trade. Then my grandpa got into like pharmaceuticals. And they had all different kinds of businesses. And he was an entrepreneur his whole life. And then my dad's side, my dad was all corporate, had multiple degrees in India. My grandfather was like a big businessman in the state bank of India, mm-hmm. top B school in India at the time. And they followed that path. And I'm definitely a blend of both.
0: Okay. Help me, understand What made you then pursue business? Like, Was it passion, money, curiosity? What was it that made that switch for you?
1: Yeah. So actually it was a really inspiring teacher at Wabanzi valley my finance teacher miss hish she was like really big in my life at the time and taught me and like a couple of us close friends and we're still friends today and invested in apple stock as a project in my finance class at Wabanzi and so you had the option to do virtual or real and i guess at the time like i didn't make the basketball team, even though I liked basketball, I played volleyball in Wabanzi my freshman year, okay. but then that was competitiveness to me okay. is, was business and being financially successful. Okay. And i definitely saw how hard my parents work and used that as my backbone, but really me and a couple friends got into stocks mm-hmm. and I'm saying like, Oh, I made 200 bucks this week. And my friend would be like, haha, I made 500. We're all investing in different companies, okay. not with like crazy amounts of money or anything like that, but. It became a small competition and one of the person that i started with you know, early on in high school when we were in college he actually ended up in champagne and i was in chicago and he called me up one day when he was studying abroad in ecuador and said hey i have a business idea and we knew that like when we did have a business idea we were going to work together we just didn't know what it was hmm. so he called me and he was actually living and working at a rose farmer's house okay he was living and studying abroad out of a, a on a rose farm And he said, I want to bring his roses to America. Okay. And I said, oh, wow, let's do it. We started a company called Global Petals. Okay. And then ended up down living. I myself then went to Quito, Ecuador, and we like went all throughout Ecuador, found the best roses all throughout Ecuador, and then learned about the supply chain and created a FedEx API that enabled a rose farmer directly to ship them to a florist in the U.S. And Chicagoland was our test bed. And so we cut out people in the middle of the supply chain, like wholesalers and big buyers that would buy them in bulk. And then our play was that, hey, you buy it directly from the source. They're going to be fresher and higher quality when a florist is making a bouquet for like a wedding. Or okay. Something. Ran with that, did that all throughout as a side hustle. Wow. And uh, the business still exists today. My co-founder, he makes a lot more money than I do, but I uh, definitely, I'm sitting on a board of that company and get to make some key decisions. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. Help me to some of the businesses that you're involved in today.
1: Right after college, I had some student debt, and then I wanted to make some actual money, pay off my loan, and start a life. And so I worked as an engineer. In college, I interned at ComEd, yeah. the electric utility of Chicagoland. And so I'm a civil and a, an environmental engineer, and the grid was like, like a good cause to climate change and I wanted to find something that I could be passionate about. Okay. So I got my corporate job and then Global Petals became a side hustle and tapered down a lot of the business was automated and okay. went off and made a ton of money as an engineer in ComEd and then followed that trajectory and then got married in 2016 and then dabbled in different side hustles all throughout that and then moved. And then after I worked in ComEd, worked my way up, actually became an entrepreneur in residence at Exelon Company, which was ComEd's shell company. And so I started a business while I was working and I got backed by Constellation Technology Ventures, which is the VC arm of Exelon, the mother company of ComEd and Got a chance to travel and ended up in the Bay area doing like conferences, found myself as an expert at the intersection of climate tech and IOT, the internet of things. Okay. And while I was on a panel called IOT world in San Jose was approached by the CTO of the largest residential solar company, Sunrun and said, Hey, we're starting a new company. We know, you're an engineer, but there's this kind of a track, which is a hybrid between engineering and business, which is called product management. And I had never heard of it. And I guess this was this term created in the Valley where product managers would sit in between people in sales in the business and in between software engineering. Okay. And so I thought it'd be an awesome job. Just got married and I came home and I told Anjali that, hey, do you want to move to the Bay Area? Cause I got a job. And she said, take me there take me to California. Cause we had only lived in Chicago. So moved to the Bay Area in 2016 and then worked at a handful of utility, electric utility startups. And then just being in the Bay area was exposed to entrepreneurship at a different level, really, like my grad school, just being there. And then you asked about my other businesses, my most recent business, which has been a pretty big success. It's called Quitly and uh, yeah, we have mobile apps. We're essentially creating a modern day Alcoholics Anonymous for people experiencing addiction and we can go more into that. But when I moved to San Francisco. I ended up getting an apartment, which was on the headquarters of Juul, the recent e-cigarette company. Okay. J U L. Yes. And saw an opportunity there. Okay.
0: Whenever somebody starts a business, there's hesitations or concerns, right? Especially with somebody who studied engineering, and I'm sure a lot of professional career path had opened up to you to go from that to business. Th- there must have been some things that made you pause. So what were some hesitations?
1: Yeah, I think. Some of the big hesitations were that finding that balance was definitely tricky because I wanted that big check, but I also wanted to be an entrepreneur at the same time. So I found myself in this middle ground, like I get asked by my peers and my bosses and even my parents, like, go get your MBA, go climb the corporate ladder. Mm. Could have definitely done that. But instead of staying in one company and climbing the ladder, LinkedIn is a pretty big resource I would get, we all get hit up by recruiters all the time. Mm. And I was, when I moved to the Bay Area, work in a company two years, find the next big promotion, get that 40, 50, 60K salary bump, Mm. go to the next company. So I did that every two years Mm. up until the previous company I was working at, worked my way up to the director level or the head of technical product management at a Silicon Valley software startup in clean energy. And... That's like my biggest hesitation is you get a lot of money, but then how passionate are you about working for someone else? But then how do you still maintain that, that visibility in the company that you care and you're working towards it, but really deep down in your heart, you know what you're you really passionate your about. Thing. You want to build your own thing. You want to build your own thing because right. that's what keeps you going. With, it's a blend of spirituality and, and we can get into entrepreneurship later.
0: A lot of entrepreneurs struggle between planning everything before starting versus, hey, I'm going to quit what I'm doing full-time. I'm going to just start my business and figure it out as you go along. What's your recommendation there?
1: So, like, I always wanted to just quit and work on it. Like, I would have some frustration or something boil up. Like, someone in work would rub me the wrong way, Mm -hmm. an employee or a bad boss. And inside, like, I would just be, like, ready to go. This is it. right? But somehow, I just maintain my focus. And I think the core... Was that just balancing that balanced life, making sure you eat healthy, Mm. making sure you work on like life goals or some sort of religious or spirituality, and just maintaining that daily routine got me through the times of, I hate what I'm doing right now. I just got to power through and be an entrepreneur. But if I were to just drop everything and do it, that balance would be out the window because then you're on the hook to pay your bills, support your family, pay for your house or apartment or whatever your all your utilities put yourself in a hole so i just took the slow grind it took me 10 years of working in corporate and doing a side hustle at the same time various side hustles to finally have the balance like now i have two little kids got a house married everything's like kind of in order and i finally made the leap where it all made sense like all right now i get to do what i truly want to do full-time And no one can tell me you should be coming to work or you should work on this project or rub me the wrong way. Okay, if I can ask you to reflect back a little bit, going the path that you did where you were doing parallel, right? Parallel work,
0: job, and parallel business. Were you finding yourself stretched thin when it comes to like energy, time with family, or trying to just take care of, because you mentioned eating healthy is good, you know, having a balance spiritually is good. That's good, great.
1: Honestly, like just going back to being that balance. If you're like, naturally balanced, Mm. you're going to find time. Even though like I had a job, had a family, had a side hustle, wanted to do my exercise, diet routine. I still, at the end of the day, dictated when I woke up in the morning and when I slept. Mm. And for some reason it just worked out. Like a lot of times I would have extra time. Mm. Like I could explore hobbies, hang out with my friends, play basketball, other recreational activities, have a drink or whatever it is. You just like inherently find it. Not all days are like that. And not all days I find myself bored. But every time I did find myself bored, I would be grateful for it. Be like, wow, like I got the time. What do I want to do? I want to do whatever I want to do. So it's just natural. Like you got to be born with it. And you got to be born to just know what you want and just become a well-rounded person. If, you know, you want to find yourself with extra time.
0: Okay. If you had to go back and do it all over again, would you think instead of doing parallelly both the job and the business. If you had said, cold turkey, I'm going to quit job and just start business. You mentioned it took you a little bit of time to get success in business. Do you think that would have sped up or do you think you would have still had different sets of challenges?
1: Yeah, I think you got it. I think it definitely would have sped up. Like I know I have some friends born and raised in Chicagoland area, moved to Silicon Valley, quit, didn't even have a degree in college, but raised multi-million dollars for their startup. Well, they got lot of financially successful but then they have other challenges they might be in their mid-30s don't have a solid relationship or love or a partner and they struggle in other areas versus me like i've been with the same i've been with anjali now since yeah 2006 we met wow. so i just focused on having those areas of my life more solidified versus i getting to do the business side and i think it's yeah it's totally a balance there's no one right way to do it you got to just I guess, pick your top priorities. If your higher priority is business versus love, go do that first. But if your priority is love versus business, then hopefully at the end, you get to do it all either way. Wow. I find that in a lot of cases, businesses, it's not all those, right? You do have some struggles and challenges that you have to overcome,
0: especially when you start up. Help me understand some of the struggles and challenges with global pedals aspect, or even with
1: the addiction app. I think some of the starting challenges were just knowing what you were passionate about. One of the things that I, when I approach entrepreneurship, like when I did Global Pedals, it was something that I got pulled into. Mm. And when I started Quitly, it was something that I experienced myself. And I think when when you have a problem yourself and you approach business and developing a solution for it, Mm. some of the challenges just wash away. Like you're just so passionate about it. You sleep thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it and you just mitigate a lot of the challenges. But when I, when I moved to San Francisco and I lived on Joule's campus, I was living like all my apartment mates. Like I would open my door and see like a big cloud of smoke and all early stage engineers at Joule. And so these are like the first friends I met. I got addicted to that thing. Oh, wow. And so when I started Quit Vaping app, it was a tool that I built for myself. Mm-hmm. My partner was addicted. I was addicted. And there was no app out there because that's like how we're wired. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Some of the struggles were validating the concept do other people like have issues with this as well and then painting a picture of your vision like that's vision is less challenging but then executing it if you have a day job you have a family life you want to have a balanced life then executing on what it is your vision actually is chipping away at it every day a little bit at a time and some days go late some days go early but still maintaining where you think this could be or where this opportunity lies, that I think is just like a daily grind in its own. But if you're passionate about it and you eat, breathe, sleep, it becomes like second nature. You're not thinking about, oh, I didn't sleep last night or didn't eat well, or I didn't get my workout. You're just focused on that.
0: What about any challenges of starting up a business with a partner versus by yourself? Because when you're by yourself, you don't have to really talk about conflicts with anybody maybe differences of vision, maybe differences of decision. When you start with a partner, some of those play out and obviously worked out in the best possible way, it sounds like, but help me understand some of those starting challenges.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some, there's definitely challenges. I think creating business in the Valley always worked in a, just a cookie cutter way. You need one business person and you need one technical person. And if you talk to any startup accelerator, any venture capitalist, any big angel investor, You're going to need two founders. They want all the initial work to be done by at least two people. And then no more than three, four, you're stretching it. Mm. But sole founders end up not being good at everything. They have to contract things out. Mm. They have to figure out ways to fill voids. They have to find someone, maybe recruit someone that's just as passionate. But if you can find, if you can fill the voids and be with someone who's as passionate about the problem you're solving, Mm. you're just Leagues ahead of anyone else, any sole founder, because yeah, one sole founder can't do it all, and it costs money to contract things out. So if you can fill the business aspect, or your co-founder can fill a technical or marketing or whatever the expertise is to launch the product or idea. If you can do all that in-house in a small, knit team, you can accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. Wow. We talk about struggles and challenges. Help me to some of the accomplishments and successes with uh,
0: quickly with Globally, some things that you've had the pleasure to experience?
1: Yeah. So even uh, the one one in between, when I was an entrepreneur in, in residence at Exelon, mm. I was, one of the big highlights was when they put me up in the Baltimore Harbor at the Four Seasons Hotel. And so I was, I don't know, like 20 years old mm. 21. And I was on this fast track to becoming an executive in a big company, as well as like a new term entrepreneur in residence at the company. And they put me in a fancy hotel and the floors are heated and there's a TV in the mirror. And I looked at myself and said, this is an entrepreneurship. This is entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I feel like I'm young enough to see this now, but then come back to it as a real entrepreneur. Okay. And so I just kept that in the back of my mind. And some of the successes that I saw early on in Global Petals got to do a lot of traveling into South America and then see a lot of Home-based florists come up, even in the U.S., like disrupt the traditional model and being the fuel to their fire and seeing a lot of other people successful, that was really big there. And then in Quitly, we launched our flagship app Quit Vaping in October of 2019. And over the course of the last three and a half, four years, we're able to scale to a pretty large number in monthly recurring revenue. And we're at a million users on the app. And so we just got to hit a lot of milestones, got to help a lot of people. And I think that was the biggest thing is when you see other people succeed and then they thank you for helping them succeed. That's a natural high in its own. Like no money can compare to how good that feels. You just chase that feeling of helping someone and then getting that high of helping someone and then just wanting it more and more. The money is just a side effect of you helping people become better. Or helping them in their business or their lives in one way or shape or form.
0: Okay. And you know what? I hear you. There's definitely a passion that drives you. In a lot of business owners' cases, that's what helped them start the business in the first place. That's what's going to take them through struggles and challenges and things like that. The other side of it, which is the day to day business aspects and monthly goals and whatnot. So a business has profits and losses, revenue, you mentioned, debt management, investing. How did you become financially literate as a business owner?
1: It goes back to my education. When I s- told you that I started investing in stocks in high school, mm-hmm. it's like a cash register, right? You put money in, you take money out, mm-hmm. you see what your profit or loss is at the end of some sort of cadence, whether that be a week or two or three or four. Mm-hmm. And then you get to tell someone about it. At the time it was my parents to be like, Hey, I made a couple hundred bucks. They're like, wow, great job. It- and even before that, like, I I worked like since like I was in eighth grade, I used to ride my bike to the Culver's after that I worked in the mall, worked my way up to working in TCF bank. This was all in high school Mm. and then doing the stocks and stuff. And so two things, I think you're born with it, like if you're interested. And then another thing is, do you find it as like a competitive release? Like everyone inherently likes competition and you like being good at something. And for someone it could be sports, Mm. for someone else it could be art. Mm. For someone, it could be spirituality in its own. If you work your way up that track, but for me, yeah, it was business. Like I, I wasn't competing with, maybe I was competing with my peers back in high school, mm. but at some point, like you just start competing with yourself to say, this is how much I made this month. And I'm going to compete my, with myself to say how much I made the next month. And then yeah, it just becomes a competitive cycle. Okay. Pick up books, put down books. It Just depends on what your brain needs at the time. And so if you're in need, I remember when I was working a day job, like struggling to get up, the thing I needed was motivation, like self-help. Like at that time I would pick up, roll out of bed and read Tony Robbins and then just get fired up, like just try to get yourself fired up and then would make my way through the day. And then had a question about, let's just say like some sort of coding language, like that I needed basics on either within my day job or in even entrepreneurship. I'll go on YouTube or Khan Academy, find something, Google it, Stack Overflow. Hmm. I learn how to write like a Python script or something like that. Something simple. So it just totally depends on what you need at that time and place. Okay. And the ability to know that anything you need to know is right at your fingertips because of tools like Google. And now with AI being on the prevalent, the, yeah, the revolution that we're under this moment, it's. I'm being suggested what I need to know in order to enhance my life versus me going ahead and, and the reverse. It's a very interesting time that we're living in now. I
0: agree, I agree. How have people like your teacher or other business experts played sort of a mentor role in your life?
1: Mentorship was huge. A lot, like when you're a teacher and that's all you're dedicated to, I see a lot of these te- like people in my high school business classes, they're on my LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And they, I remember another one of my teachers messaged me say, great to see you doing well. There aren't that many people out there that actually want to see you succeed beyond your parents and maybe some of your best friends. But beyond that, it's, you know, now with social media and all of the emotional ups and downs that you can have through media, there's only a select foundational group of people that actually want to see you succeed. And when you do, they want to know about it okay. and they want, it keeps them going. To from a teacher mentor perspective, they want to see the, the fruits of their work actually go a long way. And so, yeah, I, I just feel like that there's a mentor type, there's a personality type. And uh, when they're doing their job well, and they see you succeed, they feel happy about it.
0: Okay. And so in, in keeping in mind with the support system, a lot of our listeners are parents that are trying to teach financial literacy aspects to their kids that want to see their kids succeed. What advice would you give to those parents? What role can they play to essentially influence and guide their kids
1: and just help them? So the approach my parents took was that my older brother, he's a doctor. And then I had the choice of even being a doctor or an engineer, maybe a lawyer or a pharmacist, but that, that was a long ago and they probably wouldn't advise me to do that now. But I told my parents I wanted to do business. And my dad said, you're not gonna get a business degree to start. You're gonna get an engineering degree And get your MBA later. Like he all, he has had this plan for me. And so I fulfilled half of it and I didn't get an MBA. I learned business on my own, but I did do the engineering path. So I think there's like a balance between parents being like hard nosed and saying, this is what you're going to do, even if you don't like it. Versus nowadays, me as a parent to little kids, I want to give my kids a little bit more freedom, like play that mentor role or a soundboard and empower our kids to do what they want. The most important thing is figure out what you're passionate about. If I had known what I was passionate about in my teens, I feel like I could, we all feel like we could have saved a bunch of time and energy and money. But I think the biggest thing is for the parents to help their kids explore anything and everything to hit the one nail on the head to find out like, what are they born to do? And I know that's very easier said than done. But all you can do is just be that mentor or that soundboard or just the support system to enabling their kid to just keep exploring, keep finding, because the thing you're meant to do is out there. Okay. Looking back now, let right, me talk about shortcutting some of that, right? Why
0: do you think financial literacy is something that's critical that kids can learn at an earlier
1: age in life? Financial literacy is everything. If you're not financially literate, you will not have an opportunity to work on what you're passionate about, or even work on your why. Hmm. Like my path, I had to do the utility path, work day job. Until I was able to get to entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship for me was like icing on the cake. And if you're not financially literate and you say, I want to be a rock star, or I want to be an artist, and you have no financial literacy backbone, you have no shot of doing what you're actually passionate about. So financial literacy is literally like keeping the lights on, keeping clean water in your house, Mm -hmm. keeping your temperature being moderate. But being financial literate is a core essential need, Mm -hmm. just like you need internet, water, and light. That's how I see financial literacy.
0: Okay. So I'm going to ask you an interesting question. If you had to turn back time and talk to your kid self, what would you advise him about financial thought process and starting a business to help them essentially shortcut a lot of the trial and error?
1: Yeah. I would just say that double down on your intuition. Like I knew that investing in stocks early, Mm -hmm. even when I had a little bit of money, can end up becoming exponential later on. And so a lot of the early investments I made, those played out for me most recently was very early on in the stock market. I mentioned in high school, and then was very early on in cryptocurrency and just being early on, I was like dabbling, always maintain a diversified portfolio. Never went for the big home run just to stay level-headed, but if I could go back I would say double down on your intuition instead of always having a balanced portfolio. If you believe in something, you should just go for it, follow your heart and double down on it. I would say one thing that I would go back in time also is a part of my love life to say don't second guess yourself. This is it. Luckily I didn't second guess myself and I'm very successful in, in that aspect. But a lot of times it's human nature to second guess yourself for anything, right? Finances. Love, Relationship. relationships, yep. everything. Okay,
0: And where do you see yourself going on this business path with Quitly with other business ventures, helping you train some of your goals in next year, next five years?
1: Yeah, same deal. Same deal. I'm just gonna, so when we started Quitly, like I said, I was addicted to vaping. My co-founder was addicted to vaping and we foresaw that like, this is the new digital medium that's happen- happening in the tobacco and nicotine space. Is there a solution that's going to be out there that you know, is gonna be essential for people. And so we knew smoking was revolutionizing the way addicts consumed. And then the same way we saw like Alcoholics Anonymous and these sort of in-person venues to help people manage, cope, and quit. And so we saw the future twofold. One was, hey, vaping is going to be big here to stay. It's gonna display smoking, just like the iPhone displays the smart the, the flip phone. Um, That's one thing. And then we also expanded that to be like addiction rehab isn't going to be physically happening. It's going to be digital Mm -hmm. and online. And we are coining this concept of tele-rehab just the way telemedicine was. We want building what comes after telemedicine. So it's a combination of, yeah, being your own personal tool, like your Fitbit of quitting. So you can track, manage, set goals and then earn for setting goals. As well as having a community element like the same kind of community element you have when you go to a physical venue and so since we launched quit vaping we launched quit drinking and uh, we have a big announcement coming out hopefully at the end of next month definitely seeing a little bit out into the future it was crazy before i went to bed last night i kind of have these i'm like half dreaming half awake but for some reason i thought of the ring doorbell and so i had saw a youtube video on how ring I don't know if they were called ring at the time, but they were on Shark Tank, and they didn't get a deal. And now everyone has a ring, at least in in our neighborhood. Right. <laughs> but I thought to myself, like, dang, why didn't I think of that? And so being on that mindset of not only waiting till you have a problem, but foreseeing a solution to a problem the masses are going to have. If you experience it, sure, you want to solve a problem for yourself and see if others can also validate that there needs to be a solution for it. If you can think ahead of you experiencing a problem, I think that's the next set of businesses that I want to go after in my next future ventures. Good stuff. Good stuff.
0: Thank you. You've shared amazing insight into your business journey and give us some amazing tips. So thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Roger.